All right, Hal, welcome back. Another episode of Unblocking Crypto. Uh, this week, pretty excited because one of the things that I hear from a lot of people is why Bitcoin or crypto instead of stocks or real estate? Uh, so what I was hoping we could accomplish this week is just dive deeper into that. I know you have a lot of experience on the real estate side, and then we've both some, done some of the stock side stuff too. So mm-hmm. before we jump into that, let's talk about some of the, the news and, and maybe some of the positive things that you're hearing about in the crypto space. So I'll let you go first. Yeah. So the thing that popped up for me was uh, KPMG Canada put Bitcoin and Ethereum on their balance sheet. Uh, I couldn't find how much they put on their balance sheet, but I don't think it matters um, because the things I'm looking for in this is KPMG is one of the big four accounting and consulting firms. So if they put any on their balance sheet, now the other three, Deloitte, PwC, Ernst & Young, and all the smaller consulting firms have got to start thinking about it. Um, it also kind of indicates maybe they're hearing some things from their customers that their customers want to do this. And by doing it themselves, they can kind of walk themselves through the process and make sure they understand the regulations, um, how to do it, just exactly how how to how a company can buy and hold crypto and stay within uh, their legal requirements that they've got, especially for public companies. So I think that that's pretty uh, one of those tip of the iceberg kind of news articles because KPMG isn't owned by a single you know eccentric billionaire. Um, MicroStrategy has it's Michael Saylor and and Tesla has Elon Musk. So PW. See, or uh, uh, KPMG doesn't really have that. So that's that's kind of interesting to look at. Um, so that's that's to me is another one of those one of those El Salvador moments, potentially. So that's big for me. That's awesome. Yeah, so like one of the things I wanted to talk about was actually Tesla. So about a year ago today, Tesla added Bitcoin to their balance sheet. As you probably remember, they bought a, a billion and a half dollars worth of Bitcoin and they have realized $27 million in profit because they did sell some to prove that it was liquid. Liquid, Their current value of that Bitcoin today is closer to $2 billion. So they have an unrealized profit of about $500 million, which if you look at the grand scheme of things, that's about 9% of the profits they made in 2021. So um, pretty impressive just for holding something in cash, right? Or cash equivalent. Uh, the other, I had two other things too. I know money laundering isn't really a positive thing to talk about, but there was a company that did some analysis on the amount of money laundering that happened in crypto. And there was about $8.6 billion that was, they consider uh, laundered, which is like less than, I think, right around 0.05% of all the transactions done in crypto. So while that is still a staggering number and it went up from 2020, if you compare that to what happens in fiat currency, um, while they don't have an exact estimate, I guess, of, of what that is, they still estimate it to be somewhere between $800 billion and $2 trillion in money laundering. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about anywhere between 100x to 250x more in fiat currency than in cryptocurrency. Um, and then the last thing, I know this isn't super new, but we've talked about El Salvador um, making Bitcoin an official currency. One of the cool things that's popped up recently has been Portugal, too. So you pay 0% on Bitcoin as long as you are not providing services to Portugal citizens 
um, in, in taking payment in cryptocurrency. So it's a really exciting thing that there's other countries out there doing that. Now, if you're a US citizen, be careful about running out and becoming a Portugal citizen because you do have to pay an exit tax. So there's not really a, a huge advantage for US citizens right now. Um, Puerto Rico is probably the best option to go to, but it is, hopefully we start to see more and more of these countries make more crypto friendly um, regulations. So, and one thing I did see this week, kind of on those lines is I think some legislation had in there that there would be a de minimis tax exemption for crypto transactions under $200, which is low per transaction. Uh, I was thinking it would be more like five, $600, but any sort of exemption where you can spend Bitcoin on a day to day, um, grabbing lunch or buying a shirt or things like that, that'd be pretty positive for people holding Bitcoin. So that it, you're not not every single transaction you make is a taxable event, and uh, you don't have to track all these little things. So that was uh, another piece that I saw that kind of goes along with your your taxation uh, piece. It seems like it's getting a little more friendly, or at least it's starting to show some cracks in the U.S. too. That would be huge because taxes are such a big question mark, at least in the U.S. Still on how it's handled. All right, so let's get down to the, the meat of, of this conversation. And I know I get a ton of questions on, all right, why crypto versus stocks or real estate? Um, so maybe I'll let you kind of start. You can maybe explain your experience with real estate since you have quite a bit of it, and then stocks and how you relate some of that to why crypto might be better. And I'll jump in and out as you discuss. Yeah, so um, I think I probably got into stocks first. Uh, but in a real smaller way, just as soon as I got a first job, I just opened up a TD Ameritrade account and put a little money in. And I was literally, I was like, Hey, if you lose this money, that's a tuition payment. Like you're going to learn, might as well lose a little bit of money now and know how to do it. So you don't lose a lot of money later. Um, and that, you know, that was 2004. So everything was kind of starting to fall apart or, or it was, you were getting access as an individual to go buy stocks directly online instead of the old school way, which was going through this intermediary Edward Jones guy, or, you know, your, your, your stock broker that you had to make a phone call to in order to buy stocks. Um, you know, the internet was kind of pushing towards allowing people to just buy stocks directly. And so, um, you know, it kind of, I got into that and did some research and stuff, but I've, I found that I was just constantly not doing well or, or I wasn't beating the index, you know, kind of deal. Um, and so that kind of trickled on. And then my first entree into a real estate investment, which is probably everybody's first uh, entrance into a, a real estate investment is when you buy your own house. Um, so yeah, leveraged, whatever, man, I didn't have much money. So the smallest uh, down payment I could get the 30 year note, you know, the whole thing, like to keep the payments cheap and buy a house that I'm, you know, kind of like, this is kind of expensive. Uh, you know, it looking back, it probably wasn't, but, um, yeah, it was, you know, signing up to spend a bunch of money on a mortgage every month was, was something. Um, and then for me, that real estate, you know, like typical, right. You buy a house, but then you need to move. So I bought my house, uh, right as everything was falling apart in 2008 and sold it in 2016 and probably didn't make a penny uh, after I put in, 
you know, all the repairs and things. Um, the only thing I made back was the principal I paid down on my loan, um, which, you know, that was, that's money that I put in. So that's not, not really gains, but I guess I didn't spend it and it just was in my house for those years. Um, but then I rolled that, uh, we moved to a smaller town. Real estate was less expensive. It was 2016, 2017. So smaller towns, slower recovery from, uh, the great financial crisis. Uh, so there were still deals in real estate. I bought the house that I live in, still live in it. And then I took, I had a little bit of cash left over from buying the house or selling the house in, uh, that I previously had. And that got me into my first rental. And, um, so I've owned, I don't know, a little 30, 35 rentals, but, uh, some of them I buy and, and I'll, I'll sell them a year later, uh, and try to improve kind of the portfolio and things like that. Um, and so right about the time I bought my first rental, uh, we started talking about Bitcoin like 2017. And so I'm like, okay, well now I got this whole nother thing to think about. And it's not just think about it, right? Like everybody knows what a house is, right? You don't, you don't have to do a whole lot of thought. And there's so many people out there with opinions on real estate, just like there's so many people out there with opinions on stocks. There wasn't a whole lot of people talking about Bitcoin and there was definitely not a whole lot of people that knew much about it. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, well, here's, I'm just going to put my, put in some money into Bitcoin and we'll see how it goes. Um, so there's, there's a lot of differences and a lot of similarities between the three. Um, I think, I think like getting, as far as getting into it, like if you're going to start like, okay, I, 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 all I've done is put money in my mattress, right? So I've got, I've got a mattress full of cash and I'm looking at either stocks, Bitcoin or real estate. So step one, right? Like, how do you get in? Um, stocks and Bitcoin are super similar, right? You sign up online, whether it's TD Ameritrade or whichever online brokerage you want. Um, similarly, sign up on Coinbase, and now it's now you're staring at a wall of thousands of options of things to buy. Um, and that's that, to me like that's how Bitcoin and, and stocks are real similar. Uh, and then on the real estate side completely different, right? This is, you got to figure out what areas you want to buy. You got to figure out if you're going to pay cash or if you're going to leverage in and, and get a loan. Um, so, so kicking things off into all three real estate's already very different. Um, never mind the fact that you can actually see the, the property, you can, uh, go in and, and fix it up and improve your, the value of the asset. Like you can't buy, a damaged stock and put work into it to, to make it more valuable. Uh, similarly, Bitcoin's Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. Like there's, there are no, you're not going to, you're not going to buy a Bitcoin at discount. You're going to buy it at the market price. That market price may be lower than two weeks ago, but uh, you're paying the same price as everyone else. So you know, on the real estate side, there, you know, you could buy a, a property that's distressed or you could find a, a seller who just wants to get out of that property. Um, so you've got, big differences uh, between stocks and, and Bitcoin and real estate just from, from getting off the ground. I think um, the only thing that is similar to from Bitcoin and, and real estate is that the U.S. government deems both of them as property. So Bitcoin is treated as property just like real estate. Stocks are not treated as a property. So it's a little bit different and taxed differently. Right. Yeah. And regulated wildly differently. Um, mm -hmm. You know, these stocks, these public companies uh, they're subject to a ton of, of reporting requirements. They got to play by the rules. Um, 
in real estate and in Bitcoin, I mean, their property. So, yeah, you when you buy the property, you go through kind of a a real estate attorney to make sure that there's no liens on the property and there's some some backstop there. But um, with Bitcoin, um, it's it's taxed as property. It's viewed as property like you hold it, hold it, own it. Um, This might be a good time to talk a little bit about Bitcoin versus crypto when it comes to how it's viewed from or how or how it will be viewed uh or how it's it's looking going forward i'll let you jump in there yeah i don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen still all right i mean bitcoin is definitely a property according to u.s government um everything else looks like it'll be more like a security so until they make a decision there's still a lot of question marks on what's going to happen so as i tell most people if you're looking for the safest thing and i think you're well aware is bitcoin is by far the safest thing just because it's property you know you know it's going to happen you know how it's going to be treated if it's an unregistered security and the sec decides to crack down on it there's no telling what will happen or if if what you'll have to do or what that company will do if it'll survive no one really knows what's going to happen i mean just look at ripple right now right xrp it's been in freaking trials for what two years now three years whatever it is so and still no one really knows what's going to happen yeah and like ripple's not on coinbase or coinbase pro anymore like Mm -hmm. like you know if you are if you're holding ripple you're like well i hope uh i hope this works out (laughs) yeah if you're in the united states um and so so yeah i I think that that the sec is indicating that a lot of these cryptocurrencies are going to be uh handled as though they're securities and I don't think, I'll, well, if you look at just even the top, top 100, you know, I don't think they're really prepared to go through that process. I think that they, when they built the, the protocol, they were looking at it being a cryptocurrency and not dealing with this. So a lot of them are going to be in trouble, I think. Um, but again, I'm, you know, I'm big on Bitcoin. Um, so we kind of talked about getting into these different categories of, of investments. Um, so once you, once you, Say you just say, I'm going to buy a, I got however much money I've got. I'm going to put a third of it into stocks, a third of it into Bitcoin and a third of it into um, real estate. So once you're there, um, there are some similarities and some differences too. You know, with stocks, you know, you, you get to choose from a, thousands of stocks. You know, these these are individual companies. Um, their Their price appreciation and depreciation is based on macro level, you know, economic uh, news and economic flowing of the tide, right? If, if the economy starts to sink, it almost doesn't matter what stock you're in, you're coming down. Um, and then you've also got like, if you're in the wrong sector, the economy as a whole can be booming, but you know, that could be terrible for, uh, you know, a company that makes TVs and wooden consoles, like we used to see in the eighties, right? Like Mm -hmm. all the flat screen TVs, everything else is going up, but you're, you're sitting with, um, you know, a, a company that isn't pivoting and isn't capturing the the market, or, um, or you know, oil's tanking and every, you know, the economy's doing fine and oil drops. So you own Chevron and Exxon. Well, you know, the guys that own Netflix are doing great, but you're not doing so hot. Um, and so you've got that piece, and then individually, right? Like you, oil could be doing great, but you own Chevron, and their CEO has a heart attack. So their stock's not going up and that money's coming out and it's going into other oil stocks. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of play in stocks. Um, and with Bitcoin, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more simple. It's almost like owning an, an index of, of all the stocks. Like if Bitcoin's doing well, you know, the entire cryptocurrency market is typically doing well. Um, the, the interesting thing to me is you've got these securities that are based on these individual companies that are valued uh, based on how much money they're making and, and things like that. Whereas Bitcoin is valued really differently. Um, it's more like who, who's willing to pay what in order to get their Bitcoin. And if adoption curve keeps going up and more and more people are adopting Bitcoin, more people want Bitcoin, then as long as people aren't selling it, the, the marginal seller, that price is going up. So you're not subject to all the swings, you know, and, and Bitcoin seems to be, uh, sometimes it falls in line with the stock market and it falls in line with all these macro things. And sometimes it breaks the trend and it's like a counter trade to, uh, to, all, to the stock market. Um, you know, I think that because of the fundamental reasons for um, stocks rising and falling and Bitcoin price rising and falling, they're, they're very different, but they're tied together in some economic ways. Um, like, like when in March of 2020, right, everybody freaks out. They're shutting the world down. Everybody just said, all right, I just, I'm going to go back into U.S. dollars and be safe and sit on it. Um, so, yeah, stock market crash, crypto crash. It was like an everything crash. Um, and but then you see some other times when, you know, there's the stock market's headed down for, you know, on average, a couple of months. And, uh, you know, everything else is fine. Uh, Bitcoin's running steady. So uh, it's it's a kind of an interesting thing on the differences between how those two appreciate and depreciate. Um, and then the real estate market is, is similar. Um, you know, if the economy is going bad, you know, real estate's typically going down. Now there's local local areas, you know, you can you can buy and maybe there's a boom on some some local economy is doing well. So that that real estate holds better. Um, but, you know, real estate prices pretty much appreciate their the thing about um, real estate and Bitcoin is there's a scarcity element to them. Right. If you own a piece of land, that's one more piece of land that other people cannot own. Um if you own a Bitcoin, that's one Bitcoin that other people can't own. If you own stocks, yeah, other people can't own that stock, but they can issue more stocks. Or they can split. You know, there's some things they can do where the scarcity is not it's not quite as locked in. Um, and so that's a piece to consider when you're looking at, like, how long you're going to be in something and what the expectations are. Um, and then once you're in it, you know, you can own property, uh, real estate a piece of real estate that pays rent, right? So you can have cash flow spinning off of that real estate while it's appreciating. Or if it's depreciating, you just sit on it and ride it out and, and collect the cash from the rentals. Um, Bitcoin, you can go onto BlockFi and you can put your, you can put your BlockFi or you can put your Bitcoin onto exchanges that'll pay interest. So you can spin off cash flows in a sense, uh, but you give up some of that, you get, you introduce some third party risk that you don't have otherwise. Um, and then stocks, you know, you choose the stocks that, that pay dividends. So while the dividends hurt the, the, the value of future cash flows of a stock and, and kind of dampen its ability to appreciate in price, you can still spin off cash flows, uh, and reinvest those into other stocks or put them in your pocket and, and, you know, live off of the cash flow. So, 
there are ways to make all three fairly similar from like once you own it, is money coming in or are you just like, you know, it's not a block of gold that sits in a safe. And if a gold price goes up, then it makes, then it's good. And if gold price goes down, then it's bad. Um, so, you know, we're not, we're not comparing gold here, but there are investments where there's just no way to spin off cash flows. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's Bitcoin. Bitcoin, Bitcoin isn't, Bitcoin is a proof of work protocol. So there is no proof of stake. You don't stake it and, and gain uh, weekly or biweekly or you know, whatever the, whatever the, the staking rewards are made, but I'll let you jump in and talk a little bit about crypto staking uh, for those that are more interested in crypto over Bitcoin. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that starts to go down kind of a, a much different rabbit hole, of course, because there's so many options there, but the, uh, you look at things like Ethereum is kind of the big one that they are staking for E2 and uh, your rewards are somewhere in that six to 8% type thing. So the, the problem with staking for something like Ethereum is your funds are locked until E2 comes out. There's lots of other coins out there too that you can stake and you're you're pretty much helping to support the network and you are getting some sort of rewards in return. So um, a lot of like, like for something like Cardano, you're getting 5% a year. So if you had 100 Cardano at the end of the year, you'd have 105 and it would have nothing to do with the price of Cardano. So if the price went up 10%, then you're actually getting more than 5% a year, right? So uh, worth the value. I think the big thing that I, I, I want to throw in there is when you start talking about a lot of these um, com compared to each other and, and maybe get your thought is liquidity is, is, is definitely very similar in stocks in Bitcoin slash crypto, right? But real estate throws a little bit of a wrench. I mean, there is liquidity there, but it usually takes a month unless you have like kind of an all cash offer, but it is a, it's a much different time frame to get your money usually in and out of real estate. Correct. Oh yeah. So when you're talking about getting out of these uh, these pieces, like yeah, man, if you don't if you're not feeling a stock or you think it's coming down or you don't like the temperature, you can sell it. Market sell. I mean, whatever the price is at that time, you're out. You convert your those stocks back into U.S. dollars and you're out. Same. Uh, Bitcoin's even better uh, because if you start feeling crummy about something at two a.m you can get out of Bitcoin. Whereas you got to wait if it's 2 a.m. on a Friday, uh, you got to wait till Monday morning to get out of those stocks. And yeah, there's there's aftermarket trading and, and things like that that kind of help that flex out a little. But, um, you know, there's times when you're just done. And if it's President's Day on Monday, like, well, you know, that's bad too, or Christmas or anything like that. Whereas Bitcoin, man, like, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I, I do like that piece. And then you know, when you're talking about trading those, you may have a commission on the stock trade. You may have uh, a little fee to pay on the on the Bitcoin side. But when you're talking about getting out of uh, of real estate, you've got, you know, unless you're really good and into real estate and connected, you know, you've got at least one real estate agent collecting 3% and likely two real estate agents collecting 3% a piece. So they're the ones that are going to go help you find a buyer. Right. Because there's just less buyers. Um, you're geographically constrained. So, you know, people in California can buy a stock that people in Georgia want. And people in Wyoming can buy Bitcoin that people in Maine, you know, want to sell. But when it comes to real estate, that house isn't moving. So you got to find somebody that wants to buy that house that sits on that land that is in that school district or uh, that has that view or whatever the properties of that house. And it's got the right number of bedrooms and baths and 
you know, I mean, it's your, your buyer base is a lot smaller. Um, and so you've got, uh, you've got these barriers to exit between the, the commissions for the real estate agent. Plus, uh, you know, somebody has got to pay the closing costs, whether the buyer or the seller side, but it's, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, it's coming off of the price one way or the other. So you've got legal fees, you got taxes to pay. Um, you, you know, there's, there's nickel and dime fees that, at the cheapest for a cash deal are going to be 12 to $1,500. And then if you throw in the commissions and then you get a mortgaged uh, uh, approach to buying, then, you know, those fees are going to be, they could be easily tens of thousands of dollars on a decent sized property. So, yeah, I mean, you find a buyer and then it costs you a bunch to get out. So real estate has some downsides on that, on that piece for sure. Yeah, it's kind of a good time to bring up the term fungibility, right? I mean, a Bitcoin is is a Bitcoin, no matter which Bitcoin it is, it's all worth the same. Kind of a, a stock is the same way. Like if you have one share of stock, it's equivalent to the same other share of stock. Um, so one, one stock of Tesla equals another stock, stock of Tesla. Um, real estate is kind of the opposite. So it's, it's bringing that concept of uh, non-fungible uh, things into the mix, which is crypto has their NFTs, right? Which is kind of that one of a kind really hard to get in and out of and and nfts are not very liquid compared to everything else right there's a chance that if nobody wants it there's no buyers you can't get rid of it right so it just it pretty much tanks bitcoin and and stocks are not exactly that just because there's usually it's a lot more liquid because there's a lot more of them it's not just a single one that's kind of sitting out there so there is some advantages to real estate for sure and owning real estate and the tax advantages and the, the rental income and things like that but there's also some issues of getting in and out quickly. And if you need money quickly, it's, it's typically not a simple thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And uh, another thing too, is like, if you want to get out of Bitcoin, say, you know, you take your, your one third of your hundred dollars that you bought Bitcoin in. So, and you want a little bit out, you don't want all out. You could just drop 10% of whatever you put in or you can sell pieces of a Bitcoin down to one, 100 millionth. Um, stocks, you can say fra- trade fractional stock shares. I think Robinhood requires whole shares, but most online brokerages, you can sell, you know, buy a hundred shares of this and sell 10, you know, to kind of liquidate a little bit. I mean, you definitely can't sell half a house. You can't drop 5% of a house. Um, so there's, you know, another piece to, to consider as far as the divisibility of, uh, of each of the three. And, you know, are are you, do you feel like you're overreaching? You're putting a bunch of money in that you may need to have some liquid cash come out. Because if so, I mean, real estate's you know that's that, that may not be an option. Whereas in stocks and Bitcoin, yeah, okay, uh, this might be a little much. Maybe maybe a year or two from now, uh, we're gonna have a kid or we're gonna move and buy another house or we're gonna do whatever. I need I might need some money back. Uh, real estate's probably not gonna be a great spot. Whereas the other two, okay, fine. I'm gonna I'll I'll drop a little bit of that stock. It'll be you know it'll be worth more anyway. So it's, it's like free money on a down payment for a house. Um, so that's, you know, that's a piece to consider. Um, and uh, so. I, one of the other things that, okay. I would say one of the other things that I was thinking about too, is when you talk about real estate, I guess I've always thought about, um, you are leveraging a small amount of money to have access to a lot more capital, right? So like you talk about buying a house, you're putting a small amount down, but now you control, this huge asset and maybe there's a mortgage on it. Um, but if that continues to grow now, all of a sudden you're getting that 
that appreciation, even though you only have a small amount of money that shares into it. So there's some advantages of being able to leverage money in real estate from a small amount to control a lot. I, I do think that that also happens in stocks and crypto too, right? I mean, in stocks, you have options. So you have the ability to do a lot of that too. Um, and in real estate, or sorry, in, in crypto, you can leverage things there too. The problem with both of those is those are super risky, right? So when it comes to leverage in stocks and crypto, there's a good chance you're going to lose a lot of money doing that. Whereas in real estate, your your potential loss maybe is a little less or less likely, right? Yeah, and so that's uh, that's a big piece when you're considering uh, which which one of these three things you're going to do. And if you're listening to these podcasts, you're putting some time in, you're putting some thought towards it. So it's definitely worth it. Um, and, and considering where you're at, if you've got some stocks and you've got some real estate or you own, and if you just own the house you live in, you, you've got exposure to the real estate market. Um, and then most people are have a mortgage on their individual house. So if that price appreciates, then they can get some of that liquidity by, by um, getting some cash out in a refinance situation. Um, and then they can continue that appreciation on their individual property. Um, so for me, it's, I don't ever leverage into, uh, a crypto position unless it's uh, one time, uh, you know, it's kind of fuzzy when you have loans on houses and things and you're, I choose to buy crypto or Bitcoin rather than pay down a loan. So you, somebody really conservative could argue that I am leveraging into Bitcoin positions because if I take $500 and don't pay a note down early on a house and instead I buy Bitcoin, then maybe I am being le leveraging into Bitcoin. But um, yeah, I think I'm, 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 I'm I don't more, see it that way. Yeah, I'm talking more of the you um, are doing 100x leverage or, or, or less probably. Right. Even, right? Where you can get margin called. Yeah, yeah. So, and and the big difference with cryptos, it seems to be that's happening on the blockchain in real time. So, if you go below what you have, it automatically liquidates you, which is why we've seen a lot of drops in crypto over the past few months. That doesn't always seem to be the issue with with stocks. I mean, there are stock plans where you can kind of have a margin account and get called out and just have days to be able to pay that amount rather than having to prove that you have it in, in your account, which is a whole other issue, which hopefully they're starting to fix, but um, that's still kind of a black hole from my perspective. Yeah, yeah, th this is going to be a little bit of a rabbit hole, but for, for people that aren't really deep into stocks and, and crypto, um, yeah, you can get yourself into a position where if you want to buy a, a more stock than you can afford or more Bitcoin or crypto than you can afford, you can borrow into your position. And as long as if you pick a long position and you think that the stock or uh, cryptocurrency is going up and you're right, you're OK. But if you're wrong, you can get liquidated for more than your your initial position. And you basically put up collateral in order to to get that to, to get your position. So if, if the trade goes against you, then the brokerage account or exchange liquidates your collateral and you're you're out and so just i don't want to get into it much but like that's the short squeeze the long squeeze stuff where people have to keep buying in order to to protect their their themselves from getting liquidated and that 
can swing prices dramatically. So um, on the flip side, if they don't uh, keep buying and, and the price doesn't keep going in their direction, then they um, they're they're out. And so what you'll see is a liquidation cascade downward where the price drops really quick, really fast. Um, when you're doing these leverage things, you can also leverage in the short position. So you can expect if you expect Bitcoin to go down or stocks to go down, uh, the same thing can happen in reverse. So that's I don't want to go too deep into it, but that's more or less kind of how that works. And, and you'll hear about liquidations a lot if you're studying Bitcoin, because in these big price swings, that's kind of what's happening. And it's and it's worth talking about, like, that's not just Bitcoin. Like, if you're not into crypto and you're just here, oh, it's so volatile and it's, it's very difficult. But like there's market maker, makers in both sides, right? You've got big players that are swinging price in stocks and in crypto. Um, crypto is probably an easier target, especially as you get smaller and down to like the small caps and, and ultra small caps in crypto. It doesn't take as much money to swing the price. Um, but it's, you know, if you think you're safe from market manipulation because you're you're buying small cap stocks and mid cap stocks, large cap stocks. Like you're not, that's, you know, uh, that's just not how it works, but that's one of the reasons why it's important to gain conviction in your trade prior to actually getting into your position. Because if you get into Bitcoin and you know, Oh man, things are going to go up real quick, down real quick. We're going to have periods where it's low and then it's going to raise really quickly. And like, I'm just, I'm just in for that it's a lot easier to weather these storms. Um, and then the similar for stocks. If you just believe, man, energy prices are going up. I, it, like this is just going to happen. I'm going to get into some energy positions. I'm going to buy some companies that are in that market. And I'm just, yeah, they're going to have bad days, right? Everybody's got bad days, but I'm going to stick through them. And, and I'm going to, you know, this is a six month position. This is a two year position. This is a 20 year position. Um, so you got to kind of think about those things before you do it. And then obviously, I think real estate actually kind of forces you to make that decision because nobody's into real estate for like, oh, man, I'm just going to jump in for two or three weeks because I think there's a, you know, a market maker is pushing the price up like nobody does that. So real estate's a little bit of a slower game um, and it forces you to have a longer time horizon and think a little bit longer term. So that's, you know, something to consider. You need to think longer term in all of these things, because if you're only on the short term, you can get hammered. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, that's especially true in crypto, right? The volatility in crypto is so high that you have to be careful about what you're doing. I think the biggest thing that most people need to do, or they should be doing is to have a plan on whatever investment they get into, whether it's real estate or stocks or crypto is what are you planning on doing? When do you want to get out or in either way, if it goes so high or if it goes so low, what what is your plan to do that? And are you okay with accepting a 50% loss, which is what Bitcoin's had here in the past few months? Or do you see kind of a lot of it in the tunnel and it doesn't matter and you're going to just hold on until it continues to go up? So um, that if you don't have a plan, whether it's, I mean, stocks especially, right? Especially if you're buying options or anything, you better have a plan and know when you're going to sell and when you're going to get out. Some of those are time days too, right? Yeah, and, and not to make this personal, but I'm terrible at selling. Like I only buy things that I think are good. Like I don't, I don't it's so rare for me to buy a stock or a cryptocurrency that I'm like, oh, I just think all these other dummies are going to buy it and the price is going to go up and then I'll sell it next week. Like I don't, I don't do that. 
And so that's probably why I'm more of a Bitcoin guy and a real estate guy. And I kind of don't like stocks because I feel like on any long enough term, there's just going to be so much bad news and the markets are going to change. And, you know, stocks, the market kind of goes up, but sectors and companies are going up and down all the time. So um, it's for me, I think that knowing how I like to buy things I like, but I don't like to sell them. Bitcoin's a great move for me. Uh, real estate's a good move for me. You know, real estate, when you own real estate, and we haven't talked about this, there's there's a lot of things that kind of erode away the the, the gains. You've got property taxes, insurance, repairs. Um, there's just, you're constantly, there's, there's a lot of hands-on. You're spending time and effort. Uh, you're getting phone calls. You know, you, you've, got, you've got to work it. Um, Bitcoin is very different. You need to, you got to learn about it. But once you learn about it and you decide if you're going to hold it on exchange or you're going to learn about how to hold your, your private keys on a hardware device or on a, on a wallet on your phone, once you learn that and you do it once, you just own that and it sits. Um, and then similarly on stocks, like, yeah, okay, you're going to buy stocks, but yeah, now you're going to read news articles about the companies and the stocks that you own because you're curious about what's going up and down and how's the market and, you know, is, is there a problem with the CEO? Is the board unhappy or uh, what's, you know, is my is this company in a market that's, you know, getting phased out? Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of work in those, whereas Bitcoin is just kind of like you learn about Bitcoin, you get comfortable with Bitcoin, you buy Bitcoin. And then once you're once you own Bitcoin, I feel like you're. I don't know if the social media algorithms point it your way or if you're just curious about it, but like you just learn more and more about Bitcoin. It just, it doesn't really stop. Um, but it's, it doesn't affect your Bitcoin investment. It's just that Bitcoin is your Bitcoin. It sits there. What is it that Michael Saylor says? You never really own a Bitcoin. You're just holding it for the next generation type thing. And it's, uh, I mean, yeah, once you learn about Bitcoin, it's like, why would you ever sell? Right. Uh, that's that's not the case for a lot of other things. It's like, okay, now everything else, I'm like, okay, when do I sell? How do I take advantage of this going up? Because everything is so cyclical. At what point, I mean, you look at the Fortune 500 companies and they're they're changing so quickly that they can't stay at the top for very long anymore, right? So you have to take advantage of those gains while they happen. Uh, and, and they might be over 10 or so years, but some of them, disappear fairly quickly these days compared to what it used to be. They'd stay around for like a hundred years. Now if they are there for what, five or 10 years, they're doing really well. And then it's a new company that comes in and replaces them. Yeah. And so it kind of lends some thought that I haven't really uh, worked out completely, but we'll talk about it. But it's like, when I buy Bitcoin, I'm like, good deal. I got, I, I got out of us dollars. I'm like, great, I'm out of U.S. dollars and I'm into Bitcoin. When I buy stocks, I get out of U.S. dollars to get into a stock, but I'm coming back to U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. And my dividends are paid in U.S. dollars. And in real estate, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, if I'm leveraged, then I'm short U.S. dollars. Uh, I'm expecting them to be inflated away and be less valuable later. Um, and, but... Real estate, you know, I'm getting paid in U.S. dollars. I would get paid in Bitcoin, but that's it's still a ways away. So that's, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing for me when I'm getting out of U.S. dollars and into Bitcoin. I'm not like, well, I can't wait for Bitcoin to be worth, you know, 30 percent more U.S. dollars so I can sell it and then get into some get into another 
cryptocurrency. Like I have a different approach. And if people are doing like $200 de minimis tax exemptions where I can go and spend Bitcoin here and there, I'd, I would prefer to do that because it would be easier. And I wouldn't, the, the, my whoever I'm buying it from, whatever merchant doesn't have to pay 3% to Visa or MasterCard or whatever. And, you know, maybe I'll get a discount for using Bitcoin instead. And, um, you know, if you're constantly buying Bitcoin, you're constantly buying stuff for 200 bucks and you're, you're kind of bypassing U.S. dollar. And so, like, again, I haven't really worked this out as far as kind of my how I view things. But, like, for the most part, I'm buying a substantial amount of Bitcoin that I'm not really intending on selling. Whereas that's not the case for stocks and, and, and real estate. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot more sense. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, that's not in my notes. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so so I, think, uh, I think we've touched on a lot of things. We talked about scarcity, fungibility, divisibility, portability, durability. Uh, but uh, uh, the one that is the biggest knock against Bitcoin is, you know, is it recognizable as, as valuable? Um, real estate, I think everybody on the planet knows is valuable because not everybody on the planet lives in a house, but like, you know, shelter is one of those key things. You know, it's valuable to have a house. And if you have a second house and somebody else lives there, it's, they know it's valuable because they pay you rent. That's how you know it's valuable. Um, man, I mean, everybody knows about stocks and public elementary school. I learned how to trade stocks, um, and, and understood like buy low, sell high is what you try to do. Um, I still haven't learned how to do that. But, you know, I learned that's what you're supposed to do in stock in the stock market. Um, but, yeah, man, Bitcoin, it's just it's been around for 13 years. Uh, it, it's had kind of a weird rap for probably the first half of that. But, you know, it's got it doesn't have a marketing team. But, man, you hear about Bitcoin and then a couple of years later you hear about it again. And then somebody of your buddies talk about it and it just kind of starts to get recognizable. It's like, man, this thing doesn't go away. And. And I think in the early Bitcoin days, it was like every day that Bitcoin doesn't die, it's a victory. And it's really kind of proven to be true. Like more people want Bitcoin as long as Bitcoin sticks around. And it's that's kind of the the one piece where Bitcoin's kind of tough is and not everybody's going to want Bitcoin. Like you, you, you may have to sell out of Bitcoin, get into U.S. dollars and then spend those U.S. dollars to buy something that you want. But and it's almost the asymmetric advantage that Bitcoin has over these other assets is that there's enough people that don't have money or there's enough people that do have money and a lot of money that don't recognize Bitcoin as valuable yet because there's a, only two things are going to happen. Uh, Bitcoin's going to fail, which I don't think it will. Uh, those people with money uh, that, that don't believe Bitcoin is, is valuable are going to change their minds. Or that money is going to be inherited by younger people in that family that do believe Bitcoin has value and that money will find its way into Bitcoin. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that all money is going to eventually find its way into Bitcoin, but I'm going to say some of all of that money is going to find its way into Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, that's that's probably the advantage of, of, you know, being early into the market is you're recognizing as valuable before anybody else. Yeah, and so I think one of the things that I would love to try to address, and and maybe I'll start with saying this is not financial advice, but the big question that a lot of people have is, what type of returns can you see from all three? Right? I mean, you've heard a lot of stories about real estate and stocks and, and even Bitcoin, um, but 
from your position, what do you expect to see at the end of the day from returns wise from your investments in housing um, versus your stocks versus your Bitcoin? Right. And if you look at the stock market uh, over time, right, I think a lot of stockbrokers go back to like 1930s and they tell you it's 8% if you just stay in the market. And it's like, okay, 8%, got it. And I tell them, okay, so you're telling me the stock market from 1930 to 1990 is similar to the stock market from 1990 to 2022? It's like, no, it's not. But, uh, you know, it, it, your entry points are key and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think even now, if you go to, if you go to a financial advisor, they use 5 to 7% um, as average returns. Like Bitcoin's... You know, depending on the price, something like 100% per year. Um, and I think it's kind of unfair to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, I think that kind of tilts the numbers a little bit because, yeah, I mean, it was a dollar at one point, but nobody was buying it. Um, but, I mean, at least go back to 2017, you know. 20, uh, 2017 was kind of the first time it really got in the news. When it broke a 1,000, I remember that. That was a big deal. It was in USA Today. but. Um, still people weren't buying it. Uh, Coinbase came around in like 2012, I think. And that made it a little bit easier to buy Bitcoin. But yeah, man, just go to 2017, you know, say $10,000 of Bitcoin. So that's, you know, 4X in four years is something like 100%. Um, I don't see that in real estate, I can tell you. Uh, it's nice to get the rentals and it's a steady Um but yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen a kind of a housing boom. Market has gone up significantly in the short term here. Um, as markets go up quickly, they typically come back some. But um, yeah, you don't you don't buy real estate thinking you're going to get quick rich or get rich quick. Like real estate's not not that kind of game. It's uh, it's buy it, hold it, maybe try to improve the the value of it, and um, and collect the rents. I mean, it's it's that's all there is to it. So yeah, you're. You know, the housing market, I don't know. I, I was this weekend, I was with a guy who said he bought a house, had to get out of it for personal reasons. But it was like it went up 16% in nine months. I'm like, you got lucky. Like, that's not normal real estate appreciation type of numbers. Well, and typically, when stuff like that happens, and it, if it happens for multiple years, there's a correction, right? So it, it's not like it just real estate only goes up. It does come down at some point, and, and right now it's been going up for a lot of years, and been going up a lot, right? So the question is, at what point does it correct? And the stock market is kind of the same way, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, I guess that's my point is, all three of these have different risk tolerances and different ROIs. So I, I think the crypto side, especially Bitcoin, potential, I mean, fifty and hundred x from here is is not unheard of right in in 10 plus years you don't see a lot of that potential in real estate and stocks i mean you, yeah that, you might, that's you might what you're talking about you might be able to pick out a stock that does that um but you also have to get very lucky at doing that right so it's if you're going with an index an index at even 10 percent a year for the next 10 years is what one and a half X, I think, with compounding or something like that, right? Not mm -hmm. yeah. 50 or 100 X. <laughs> yeah. So, and another thing too is is talking about market caps and kind of how much room these these asset classes have to grow. Um, you know, U.S. stocks, I think, is 
30 trillion or, or something in that range. Um, real estate globally is hundreds of trillions, $150 trillion, I think. Um, Bitcoin's like $850 billion today. So, you know, it's $1 trillion in market cap in Bitcoin is kind of, uh, or correlates with right around $53,000 per Bitcoin. And so most of its, its last year has been, you know, kind of, it probably averages somewhere around that. So you're talking about, let's just call Bitcoin a thousand or a, a trillion dollar asset class. Uh, gold's about a $10 trillion asset class. And about half of that is monetary uh, premium. So half of the value of gold is, is because it can be used in industrial like electronics. Uh, it can be used in jewelry and people like that. And the other half is because people buy it in order to store value in it. Um, so in my head, and this isn't financial advice, none of this is a financial advice, information only. But uh, for me, it's like, okay, Bitcoin, people want Bitcoin. I know people want Bitcoin. I know people want gold and gold's 5,000 years old and everybody knows gold's valuable because it's shiny and it's heavy and, you know, you can touch it. And, uh, but man, Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's pretty nice to use. Like if I, if, if I can pay you back for lunch in Bitcoin over the Lightning Network, that's way better than gold. Uh, and if El Salvador has it as currency, that's better than gold. Uh, and if I want to pay a friend of mine in Australia uh, for a plane ticket uh, to get to Australia because he's got a deal, I can zap it to him over the Lightning Network. Uh, I can't do that with gold. So I, I think more people want it. I think it's reasonable in my head to expect Bitcoin to eventually overtake the monetary premium of gold at $5 trillion. So that's something like $200,000 of Bitcoin. Maybe it takes maybe maybe it's useful and is viewed as money and more people want it because you can use it in a lot more applications. So maybe there's an argument that it takes over gold at 10 trillion. So that's half a million dollars of Bitcoin. Um, it's a lot of upside, right? Uh, you've got we're uh, that's 10x from here. So, you know, yeah, you bought Tesla eight years ago. Maybe you did that good. That's there's maybe a handful of stocks if you picked them right, did that good. Um but uh, Bitcoin's got a reasonable shot at something like that, in, in my opinion. And what, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I could lose 100% of my money. So every dollar I put in, I can lose one or I can gain 10. You know, that's an asymmetric trade that I kind of like to think about. Um, you know, with real estate, you, you probably you don't have the upside and likely don't have the downside. Um, I, to, to be clear, I don't think Bitcoin goes to zero. Um, if it did, I don't think I would ride it all the way there. Um, but so maybe my downside isn't quite a hundred percent, but, but, uh, the upside, I don't see it. I don't see it in other, in other asset classes. And, and so, you know, when you're, when people are like trying to figure out how much of the money they're going to take out of their mattress and they're going to put in all three of these things, you know, that's something to consider is, uh, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm not um, a person that's 100% into Bitcoin. Um, so, all right, how, how, how much am I willing to do? What, what do I need? And then what do I put into Bitcoin as a, and, and what's my conviction level? Am I super convinced that Bitcoin's going to do well? If so, uh, it's easier for me today to think Bitcoin does well as compared to some of these tech stocks that are wildly overinflated over uh, the last few years. Um, so it's, well, it's something worth thinking about and do the research. So, I mean, of course, I'm more of the crypto side and, and Bitcoin, especially too, right? I think the big difference with real estate that I see 
he talked about if you put X amount in, that's all you could lose and you could get 10 X, right? The difference with real estate in my mind is you could put some money in, but now every year you have to pay taxes and other things as well. So you could actually end up owing more than what you started putting in to real estate. So there is some more potential for higher losses, although the risk is a lot less of things going to zero too, right? So there, it, it's not a perfect even or or comparison to, to crypto, but um, yeah. So. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm selling houses. Uh, so, you know, like I said earlier, you kind of are taught to buy low and sell high and it's very difficult to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm selling some of my, uh, some properties just kind of come along once you're in the game and they were kind of deals, but I'm like closing on my last kind of house that I don't want to own anymore. Like I'm going to be out of houses that I would like to sell, uh, next week. So it's like, when I look at, I'm going to try to calculate my gains on those houses. Yeah. Like when I go to closing, I got to pay commissions and I got to, uh, I got to look and see all the repairs that I had to make throughout owning the property. And then the repairs that had to be made, you know, in order to make it look really good to sell and, and, and kind of get the market price. Uh, you just watch those gains. Like, yeah, I bought it for, bought it for uh, 10 and sold it for 20. Right. But man, three of that just disappears. So I'm really, I'm selling it for 20, but I'm really selling it for 17. Um, so, you know, you don't, you don't double your money. You, you know, you get a 70% return and, then you figure out how long that took you to get there. And it's just, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of care and handling into real estate that you don't really have to have in, in stocks and Bitcoin. Um, so there is, there's a lot of reason not to get into real estate. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's good to do the research on all sides of these. And I mean, if somebody's listening to this and they're in like, man, you know, real estate, that might be something I could do. Uh, the bigger pockets has a great podcast, um, that, that I would, that I, that's how I got into it. And, and started to understand what I needed to do as far as how to calculate returns and, and what to expect. So just, uh, you know, that they, they do a great job. Perfect. Well, I, I think what I want everybody to just take from this is there's lots of different things out there, right? And we're not saying one is better than the other per se, or maybe I'm saying that, but we're all, you're invested in all three of them. I am invested in mainly one of them and getting out of a lot of the other ones. Uh, but I, I think it makes sense for everybody to kind of do their own research for sure. Um, and there's advantages and disadvantages for, for all of them. Uh, and it kind of depends on what kind of person you are and what you want to deal with. What you want to deal with people, what you just want to deal with the computer um, and, and what your end game actually is. So before we close up, anything else that you want to say or, or, or talk about? Well, I mean, I think that's about as good as we can do in kind of a short period of time. These, these are real complex and nuanced uh, investment categories. Um, so, uh, I, I think, I think that's good enough for now. Cool. Well, as always, thanks for joining Hal and, uh, we'll talk next week. Great. Thanks, Jason.